Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will tell us about Qantas's doubly unlucky A380 flights, while I take a look at the airline that had a total Christmas meltdown. I'll tell you about a new purchase by Emirates, while Joe sees which airlines came out on top in 2022. Finally, Tom will see why some flights are making an unusual stop on their San Diego routes. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And it's a mega Airbus A380 episode of Tom's A380 podcast. So uh, get ready. I wanted to start by talking about Qantas, though, because um, you were away then, so we didn't get to talk about it last week. But on December 23rd, an Airbus A380 with the Qantas livery was flying from Singapore to Heathrow as QF1, as it always does. Um, But it had just gone past uh, Azerbaijan, and I think it was over... Um, Georgia, and then it just did a U-turn about nine hours into this 14-hour, 20-minute flight. Um, And, you know, this was about 40 hours, 40 minutes after it passed Baku in um, Azerbaijan. It made it, it flew back to Baku, um, began to squawk 7700, which is the sort of international um, things aren't going quite as I'd like squawk code. and, you know, this A380 then touched down in Baku around um, an hour after it made a U-turn um, and was soon surrounded by emergency vehicles. I think it's quite interesting that, um, you know, it diverted to an airport an hour away, given that the air car, um, uh, Qantas pers- uh, spokesperson told us that the problem was a sensor fault, which caused a potential smoke indication in the cargo hold. And obviously, when you have smoke, you could have fire. Um, the problem with this giant aircraft is it can't just land anywhere because it's so big. So I think Baku was really the closest or viable alternate, but um, the passengers may have disagreed about whether it was a viable alternate um, because you know, obviously they didn't have an Azerbaijani visa because none of them expected to go to Azerbaijan, um, but they weren't able to get back on their aircraft. So they ended up getting taken to hotels as soon as they could sort out entry to the country. Um, Qantas sorted out the hotel accommodation and um, they also sorted out the visa process in the end. Um, but, you know, it, it's um, what I did find funny was that they sent this uh, note to airline, uh, to the passengers via SMS. Um, and obviously, I wonder how many of them were able to receive that. Um, but hey-ho, um, eventually, Qantas ended up sending another Airbus A380 to Baku uh, to pick up the passengers and take them on their journey to Heathrow. And uh, the original sensor aircraft was back in service. It flew to... Um, Los Angeles, I think, on the 28th of December. But the QF1 drama doesn't stop here because just uh, yesterday, I think it was as we record this, it made another diversion. But this time, you know, it made it past Georgia. um, It made it past um, Azerbaijan. And it ended up getting just sort of over Bucharest when it suddenly made a a right a 90 degree turn left and started flying in the opposite direction to Heathrow again Um, this time it landed in Athens and um, around 6.52 local time and a Qantas spokesperson said our flight from Singapore to London made an unscheduled landing at Athens after a passenger became critically unwell on the flight 
Crew and passengers provided life-saving aid on board, and on the advice of medical experts, the flight diverted so the passenger could receive emergency treatment. But again, the flight from Bucharest to Athens isn't the shortest one. Um, I think it's, again, this case of, you know, there's only so many places you can send an A380. Um, but it's. I was looking on Twitter, and it seems like the people who did go to Athens yesterday didn't have the most fun time either. Um, but it's just, I, I thought it was um, very coincidental that it, um, it was the same flight number, like, two weeks in a row. Different aircraft, though, I presume. Yeah, one was... Um, uh, one was VHOQH, uh, and the other one was OQD, I believe. Mm. I mean, you know, some might look at that and say, oh, well, it's because they were in storage for so long. But clearly, the second incident wasn't anything to do with the plane. Yeah. So, all good there. Um, not Qantas's yeah. fault at all. And, and I hope that passenger is well now. Mm. I, I, I don't um, know personally, but um, they have my wishes too. Absolutely. Well, I had a very lovely Christmas because I had some time off from Simple Flying, which is unusual. <laughs> I think it's the longest time I've ever taken off from Simple Flying in a block. Um, I think so... it's the longest time anyone's ever taken off from <laughs> Simple Flying in a block. I hope everyone missed me. Um, <laughs> but those in the US did not have such a nice Christmas, particularly those flying one certain airline known as Southwest. Um, it was undoubtedly the biggest story of the festive period. I was reading it everywhere. I was trying to stay away from aviation, but you just couldn't stay away from this because... They had the biggest meltdown of any airline, I think, probably in history. Um, firstly, Winter Storm Elliott threw around two-thirds of the USA into icy chaos. Um, it wasn't just Southwest. Other airlines were also experiencing problems. There were around 3,500 flights cancelled on Christmas Eve. Very sad when people are trying to get home to their families. And another 8,355 were delayed. And even before Christmas Day started, more than 1,300 flights had preemptively been cancelled. So really some festive chaos widely. Um, but the travel chaos hit Southwest Airlines undoubtedly the hardest. They had 1,307 flights or 36% of all their services cancelled. And another 1,500 flights were delayed, representing about 44% of the schedule. But it didn't stop there. On Boxing Day, when the carrier cancelled nearly 3,000 flights, um, it was approximately 70% of all of its flights nationwide. So a huge huge, huge number of disruptive passengers. Um, in fact, alone, Southwest accounted for more than 50% of all the cancelled flights in the whole world for that day. Um, wow. But the flight cancellations, of course, were just the tip of the iceberg because there were flight delays, misplaced baggage strewn around the airports, and they were in, in, unable to rebook most of their stranded passengers. I mean, there just wasn't enough capacity in the network, even with other airlines, mm. to get these people I mean, where they wanted to go. Was... I'm, I'm interrupting you. That's okay. So apologies, <laughs> but um, this was exactly the thing I had with Ryanair because they cancelled my flight and then I managed to get on the next day's flight. But when that was also cancelled, um, everyone had been rebooked onto the next sort of five days flight. So there was no availability for the next however long. That's it. If the planes are full, what are they going to mm. do? They can't just uh, teleport people to places, unfortunately. Not yet, anyway. Um, <laughs> of Watch course, the space. <laughs> maybe so. Southwest management lay the blame mostly on the weather. Um, it did definitely have an impact, but there were some other key issues too. Southwest still has a huge staff shortage, um, despite really pushing for recruitment over the last few months. Um, in fact, even before Christmas, the airline had declared a 
state of operational emergency at Denver. Um, that was on December the 21st because it said it was receiving an unusually high number of absences due to ramp agents calling in sick or for reported personal absences. Um, in fact, the airline took it so far as to threaten to terminate ramp agents if they continued to call in sick. If they wanted to go sick, they had to produce a doctor's letter and medical certificate immediately or they risked losing their job. The threat of losing their job didn't go down well with Denver's ramp agents and approximately 120 eventually walked off the job. Um, this kind of disruption continued throughout Christmas with people not turning up for work when they should be. And then, of course, there weren't enough flight and cabin crew to operate the schedules. Um, and this was further compounded by the flight cancellations and delays, which meant many crew members had reached their operating limits and just physically couldn't operate another flight or, or operate the delayed flight that they should have been flying. But the thing that Southwest management is not talking about so much is its very outdated software. Employees have been complaining about this for years and years. And, you know, if you saw some of the informational pickets earlier this year, many of their signs had kind of comedic um, sign loading <laughs> things on it because they were just so frustrated with the software that they have to use. And during the Christmas chaos, employees said they were unable to access scheduling services, unable to get their new assignments or to adjust their schedules after delays and cancellations had hit their flights. And without being able to change their flights or get their hotel rooms sorted out, many, many pilots and flight attendants were forced to sleep in the airports alongside stranded passengers, which is just terrible treatment of your staff, really. Um, so all in all, Southwest, in just over a week during the highest, the, the biggest um, travel period of, of the winter season, more than 15,000 flights got cancelled. And of course, stories of stranded passengers have hit the headlines too. There was a, a bride who missed her own wedding, a 14-year-old who was stranded miles from home for many days. People missed family reunions, birthdays and many more. And of course, the baggage has been piling up. And if you look on social media, there are loads of photos of hundreds of suitcases abandoned in airports around the USA, mostly a result of the Southwest meltdown. And in fact, one passenger has decided to take things a step further um, because he's filed a class action lawsuit on December the 30th. This is a chap called Eric Capdeville. I'm not sure what he's trying to get out of this, but he's claiming that he's not getting his money back fast enough and wasn't treated well by the airline and is kind of taking the opportunity to represent the larger passenger community. Southwest is trying to make amends. Um, they've announced this week that they're offering 25,000 rapid rewards points, which are worth about $300 to passengers who haven't got their refund or been rescheduled on another flight. Um, but despite Southwest saying that operations are returning to normal, just Monday this week saw 4% of its flights cancelled and 43% delayed. Nothing like the chaos we saw over Christmas, but clearly it's going to take a little while to iron out all the wrinkles in that particular um, operations there. The CEO, Bob Jordan, said there's almost no way to apologise enough. And I, I would second that, <laughs> that, um, that motion. He said that the airline will learn lessons from this and will continue to make improvements and investments. But he still dodged the accusation that the outdated technology was at the root of these issues. Um, and Southwest's going to be paying for this for a long time. It's going to take a very long time to get all that money back to the customers. Um, and the Bank of America, excuse me, has estimated that it will cost Southwest between six and $700 million to resolve all the problems. So I think we'll be seeing some fallout for this for, from this for some time to come. Mm. I'm just glad I don't have to foot the bill there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
Well, um, I wanted to talk about a slightly smaller bill, uh, maybe around uh, 200% smaller. Um, no, uh, 20% smaller. I don't know. Um, smaller. Don't try and maths, Tom. Yep. I can't maths on the fly. Um, but uh, my second A380 story of the week, um, this week, it focuses on the carrier Emirates. And that's because Emirates um, has purchased another A380, but it didn't come from the manufacturer. So it actually purchased one that it was already flying, already owned, and it just bought it from the lesser. So um, basically, it doesn't have to pay rent on the plane now. Um, but, you know, I found this particularly interesting because you know, there's no demand for secondhand A380s now. So the fact that an A380 got sold, I think, is news in itself. And um, this was uh, first reported by Air Data News. So uh, kudos to them to finding it. Um, but Emirates basically purchased A6 Echo Delta Charlie from uh, Doric Nimrod Air One, which was the owner who was leasing it to the airline. What a great um, name. According to the... Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> According to the Lesser's financial accounts, the aircraft was sold for 25.3 million Great British Pounds, which at the time of writing was equivalent to around 30.5 million US dollars. In 2018, Airbus's list price for the new A380 was $445.6 million. So uh, quite a hit on that. But um, I guess once you include depreciation and how much has already been paid, um, maybe we could go through that. Um, that's an idea. <laughs> Watch this space. Um, but yeah, in the half-year results that were published on December 15th, the lesser reported that the operating lease is for an Airbus A380 aircraft. The term of the lease is for 12 years, ending December 2022, and no extension option. The company and Emirates have now reached agreement that at the lease end date, currently expected to be December 16th, the company will sell the asset to Emirates. The sale proceeds to be paid by Emirates and the company are $25.3 million. So, um, I did double check the because um, you know it says it should be sold in um, on December sixteenth, and this is in a report issued on December fifteenth. But I checked, and both Plane Spotters and CH Aviation are listing the aircraft as now owned by Emirates. Um, and you know it, what I found particularly interesting was they told us how much it was sold for, which I think is quite unusual like usually we're like oh the list price is this and whatnot but no one knows exactly how much um but they also told us um how much the aircraft had been depreciating and how much the lease had cost so from april 1st to september 30th of 2022 the lesser reported a rental income of 7.2 million pounds so 8.6 million dollars and you know this aircraft it hasn't been flying it's been stored at dubai world central since um the start of the COVID. So Emirates has basically been paying for an aircraft that, to sit on the ground. Um, but um, they've also been paying more for the aircraft because they were also reliable for the cost of maintenance, repairs and insurance while leasing it. The other interesting thing was that the asset depreciated by 3.5 million pounds or $4.2 million during that same six months. So, you know, this, what are they going to do now with this aircraft? Well, it's the oldest um, double-decker giant that's still in the Emirates fleet. A6EDA and A6EDB were both scrapped, one of them in Dubai and one of them in um, Toulouse uh, by Airbus. Or not Toulouse, in Tarbes, um, and Airbus auctioned off the pieces. So, you know, it, to me, it seems unlikely that this aircraft will ever fly again. I did read somewhere in this report that Tim Clark had said, 
Um, apart from the five that have been retired already, they would all go back into the sky. So, I mean, watch this space. But my bet personally would be that this is going to be more of a, a spare parts thing because, you know, why would you want to buy a new nose cone from Airbus when you've got a perfectly good one sitting on a plane that is not going to fly again? Um, that's just my view, though. Um, I'll keep an eye on Maybe it does return to the sky, and if so, good for it. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting and um, slightly different. Yeah, great story. And A380-related. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's A380 podcast continues. Um, but yeah. with a brief break uh, provided by me, <laughs> looking back at how airlines did in 2022. So I do hope all our listeners caught our awesome regional roundup last week, um, where we got our regional lead journalists onto the podcast to talk about the biggest stories in their region um really hope that they that you enjoyed that because it's so nice to get new voices on the podcast other than me and tom boring you to death every week but anyway it did start with you boring us (laughs) (laughs) um so not it's not just us that looks at how airlines did in 2022 of course um and something that everybody waits for with bated breath is sirium's on-time performance report which was released earlier this week um Mm. as all airlines has been named as the global leader for on-time performance in 2022. Amazing for them. Well done, Azul. Um, And for the second consecutive years, Delta was honoured with the Sirium Platinum Award for Global Operational Excellence. Um, That considers more than just the on-time performance. It also considers operational complexity, their ability to limit the impact of flight disruptions. You notice Southwest didn't get any awards (laughs) there. I I was just going to say, I guess Southwest's not going to get that anytime soon. (laughs) So um, the winners in the different regions were Delta for North America, Thai Air Asia, for Asia Pacific, Oman Air for the Middle East, and in Afri- uh, Middle East and Africa, and of course, as all in Latin America. In Europe, it was Iberia, and Starflyer was the leading low-cost carrier. And in terms of airports, Haneda Airport was the top airport performer globally. So um, really interesting to see how airlines have done. If you want to know the numbers, Azul actually um, completed on-time arrival 88.93% of the the time. Anna was the second most on-time airline, 86.61% of the time. Um, Japan Airlines was third. LATAM was fourth. Delta was fifth with 83.63% of on-time arrivals. Um, And then we've got Avianca, Emirates, United Airlines, Qatar Airways and American Airlines rounding out the top 10. So in terms of airports, it was a really interesting list, actually. Haneda was um, top with 99, uh, sorry, 90% of on-time departures. Great for them. Bengaluru in India was 84% on-time departures. And then there were a bunch of American airports, including Salt Lake City, Detroit, Philadelphia, Minneapolis. Um, and then Delhi came in at number seven with 81%. Seattle was um, eighth. El Dorado International Airport, which was Bogota, um, was ninth. And Charlotte Douglas ran out the top 10 list. Um, but of course, it's not just on time that passengers demand. They want to know they can get there safely too. And I always enjoy the airline ratings annual list of safest airlines in the world. Um, coming out on top this year is Qantas, which has uh, usurped its neighbour Air New Zealand, which won the safest airline last year. Um, so Qantas is ranked as the safest airline in the world. It's not the first time they've won. They were named the safest airline from 2014 to 2017. Um, in 2018, it was in the 
top 20, but airline ratings weirdly awarded 20 worldwide airlines jointly first place. It's like we couldn't make a decision, so you just all get it. Um, then it won again three years in a row of 2019, 2020 and 2021. Um, so for 2023, it's Qantas, sorry, Air New Zealand. A number of US carriers did make the list. Alaska Airlines came in first among US carriers, followed by Hawaiian, United, American and Delta. So if you want to know the other top safest airlines, it's Air New Zealand at number two, just behind Qantas, Etihad at number three, Qatar at four, Singapore Airlines at five, TAP Portugal at six, Emirates at seventh, Alaska at eighth, Eva Air at ninth, and Virgin Australia Stroke Atlantic at number 10. Um, they also do release a list of the low-cost safest airlines, but it's just like a really long list that they don't actually rank. They just do it in alphabetical order. And I can assure you that all our favourite low-cost airlines are on there, including Tom's frequent flyer, um, Ryanair. And well, my... no, I'm, I'm still mad that they haven't actually launched this frequent flyer programme that someone talked about three or four years ago. And then um, <laughs> when I asked Michael O'Leary about it, he was like, no, we were never going to do that. And it's like, well, you know, we're so it's said otherwise, but okay. <laughs> well, you get the cheap fares at least. Um, but yeah, the, the other big names were on there, of course, you know, EasyJet, Air Arabia, Wiz. Um, so yeah, a, a good um, showing. And of course, all the information is on airlines ratings and possibly on Simple Flying soon. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm excited about Ryanair because I'm going to fly on one of their Maxes in two weeks, hopefully, if they operate the flight and don't book <laughs> me onto another one that gets cancelled. But uh, let's not be mean to them. Um, because uh, until after we've flown with them. But yeah, no, I wanted to round up by um, talking about something that's not really A380 related. So I'm going to use a little tangent to get there. Um, and that is basically that um, this week, uh, British Airways A380 ended up flying from Oakland Airport to San Francisco Airport after it couldn't land in San Francisco due to the weather. Uh, but that wasn't the only short British Airways um, wide-body flight in California this week. So there's been some, um, some sort of fuel shortage in San Diego. And basically, one of the pipelines um, that runs fuel to the airport has a leak. So it's been shut down. So basically, the environment doesn't fill with airport, airline fuel. Um, but, you know, this is having a real effect on, um, on flights because, you know, a smaller plane like, um, let's just say a Southwest Airlines plane, um, let's imagine one of them runs on time um, to the schedule. No, we're, being, we're just knocking them now. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, no, you know, a, a smaller plane flying a shorter route, it can fly in with enough fuel to then fly out again. But, you know... San um, uh, San Diego is is quite away from uh, London Heathrow. Say, um, British Airways they can't put enough fuel on a seven eight seven that it can fly from London to San Diego and back to London. So, what British Airways has had to do for the last few days is that once it's departed San Diego, instead of flying to London, its aircraft have been hopping up the coast to Los Angeles and then refueling there. And then um, I said seven eight seven seven four seven eight sevens, but it's A350s. Then once these A350s have refueled in Los Angeles, they're going on to London. So the passengers basically get um, two landings for the price of one, you know. Um, it's not the end of the world because um, I had my colleague Jonathan look at the numbers and he was saying that it's only been landing around an hour and a half late into Los Angeles, uh, into Heathrow after stopping in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, not the end of the world, but it's uh, 
probably an inconvenience that the airline would rather not have to deal with. Mm, absolutely. The, the fuel issue seems to be a growing problem. I mean, Africa was so disrupted this summer with fuel shortages at many of the major airports. And you got to wonder when it starts hitting Europe. I don't know. Is, is this all coming from the Russia thing? I don't know. Whether I, well, this it's, is a it's not so much a shortage um, of fuel in that it's 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 the technical pipeline thing you know the pipeline is broken so all the mm. fuel that is going into san diego has to be brought in on a truck right um, and it's just not as efficient as um using a, a pipeline that we can just continuously flow down mm. well hopefully they get it resolved soon and uh, i do hope we don't run out of fuel in london heathrow because uh, i want to make all my trips this year <laughs> yeah. well where are you heading <laughs> <laughs> nowhere's booked yet but um watch this space as you like to say tom <laughs> i think that's about all we've got time for on today's podcast we hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com for more great content you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media simply search for simple flying if you enjoyed the podcast please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player and thanks for listening bye